Mac Power Users, Episode 192, iOS Picks. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie Floyd. How are you feeling? I'm better. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm all right. I'll live. I'll live. Yeah. Still got a cough, so I'll I'll push the button. Yeah, you gotta go. Gotta go see something about that. I I finally went and saw the doctor, and I I feel better now than I have in uh in in weeks. It's my depression era parents. They taught me never ever to take antibiotics unless I'm actually dying. So I just can't bring myself to do it. I don't know. Sometimes anyway. Anyway, uh, you know, I thought it'd be fun to go back and do some iOS pick shows. And I feel like we've kind of um, fallen off the uh, the path of righteousness with some of these past shows with iOS picks where we did the $5 or less pick. And I got thinking, you know, that's not really fair to all of our, um, you know, all of our developer friends who make really great apps that don't qualify for these shows because they, you know, they, they cost more than a cup of coffee to buy the app. Right. So I decided let's do a, a pick show, but let's put no price limit on it. Um, looking at our picks, frankly, not many of them are that expensive, but True. nevertheless, that is not a um, a qualification. The other qualification is they have to be picks that we haven't made before, uh, like on these little pick shows. So hopefully we'll get some new stuff to you guys that is fun and interesting. I don't know. I saw some of your picks and I think you were cheating. Oh, was I? You'll have to tell me. I didn't search them. I guess I should have, but, you know, my failing memory and all. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I don't know but uh, some really really good apps in here because I saw some of your picks and I thought man I would have picked that but I didn't pick it because I thought we had picked it before I let you go first because I'm a gentleman well I I said let's do an iOS picks show and then I had already had all my picks in the Google Doc so that you couldn't pick them I know how that works yeah also because I'm lazy <laughs> all right so um let's so basically the criteria here is these are just kind of the apps that we're using something new no dollar limit, sky's the limit, go for it. Yeah, sky's the limit. Yeah. Before we get into this, because I keep saying that every show, we're going to talk about this at the top of the show. Did you know, David, that we have a Google Plus community and it is now over 500 people strong? That's crazy, crazy, it, crazy, crazy. And and I pop in from time to time, you pop in from time to time. But what's really great about this Google Plus community is they're all kind of taking care of themselves. I mean, there's place for show discussion. There's place for tips. There's places for people to talk about their workflows. And it's not heavy, heavy activity, but every couple of days there'll be – or well, every day there'll be a couple of people who will post questions or setups or, or tips or workflows – and there'll be a bunch of people that will respond. And I'm, I know based on the numbers that we have in there that there are just a ton of lurkers. So some really awesome stuff going in in that, that Google Plus community. So if you're into that, check it out. And thank you to everybody who contributed to that. It's a really great place. I'm going to post a picture of my setup in there. I know that that started and I just haven't done it yet because I've been really kind of busy. And I want to take a picture like during the day. And, you know, I'm at work during the day when usually, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. But it's really not that pretty. It's in my bedroom. In fact, if you saw it, you'd be like, eh. But I do have a nice desk and a computer on it, so it all looks pretty enough. Yeah. And you'll see my fancy microphone. We've been getting a lot of questions lately from people out there doing some recording, asking, you know, which microphone to buy. And I guess we could just say it on the show. I, I've really dug in with this Rode Podcaster now. We've both been on them for, was it a couple of years now? Mm-hmm. At least over a year now. Yeah, I, I took – you want me to tell you a dirty secret? I took my pop filter off like last year. 
Mm, maybe I should take my pop filter off. Yeah, you can't tell, can you? Mm. No comment. And I'm ta- I'm talking right into this this thing. It's right in front of my face. Yeah, well, I think it's the right mix. I because when I tried the uh, I used the blue snowball when I first got started in this stuff, and I used the fancy Heil. And then for a very short time, I used the Blue Yeti, which I felt like was way too hot. I mean, it just like it would pick up stuff all over the house. The The Rode Podcaster just seemed like the right fit for, for my situation. Yeah, I like the Rode Podcaster. I really like the little swivel arm that we've got it on. Now, the, the Yeti, I think, is – and there have been – you know, Dave Hamilton wrote an article on that. That's a really good – starter i think podcast mic you know you can get it on amazon now for you know sub a hundred dollars if you can catch it on sale and it does pick up some room noise so you want to make sure that it's pretty well insulated but i think jason snell uses that as his main mic he he may have upgraded since but it can be a great mic but you, you do have to insulate yourself a little bit and if you've got stuff going on downstairs or people running around right outside your door it, it may not be the best mic all right. Well, everybody, go check out the Google Plus uh, Mac Power Users Group. Um, we are firmly invested now that Google is pulling out of Google Plus. So yeah, that's kind of the way we roll. And uh, and check it out. And we can't wait to see you there. But I think people are here, Katie, to learn about some good iOS picks. So why don't we just get this show on the road? All right. So something new that I have been experimenting with for the past mm, couple of weeks, month or so, is I have just kind of for the heck of it, no good reason, decided to switch my Read It Later service. And I think it was mainly just boredom for lack of anything else. I've been a big Instapaper user really since Instapaper came out on the iPad. It's been my platform of choice. And, you know, we did our Read It Later show and I was the advocate for Instapaper. And I started looking at alternative services and I decided that for the last couple of months, at least, I've been using Pocket as my read it later server of choice. And I, I think you've been using pocket for a while now. Yeah, I switched over to it. Um, I was a little hesitant for a couple of reasons. One being, I, I wanted to support Mark Gorm and, you know, frankly, and, but also he was the first one there and there's something, and there's a certain degree of loyalty. Um, I also really like the way that um, the Instapaper displays the words. I think it's got very nice typography and view, uh, but I switched over to pocket and I haven't gone back and, and I've talked about this on the show in the past, but one of the reasons why I really like Pocket is it's got real deep integration with If This Then That. So one of the things I do is I have Pocket tags that If This Then That is always looking at. And if it's got certain tags, it gets sent certain places. Like if I tag it with one tag, it gets sent to an Evernote uh, to one of my you know field guide notebooks. If it's got a different tag, it gets sent to OmniFocus. And I do that. With, you know how OmniFocus has that service where you can send an email to uh, a secret email address and it automatically goes in your inbox? Right. So if I add, you know, um, a tag, like I have a tag called post. And if I see an article with something that I want to write a post about at Max Sparky, I just save it in pocket and put the apply the tag post. And then within a few minutes, I have a an inbox item in OmniFocus that says write post about, and then it has the link to the post and the name and everything. So that that degree of automation just isn't matched the last time I looked at Instapaper. 
And that was really what prompted, there were two things that prompted me to make the switch over to Pocket. And one was the if this, then that support, because I too have set up some very similar tags based largely on your system. I send things to OmniFocus. I send things to uh, certain Evernote notebooks where I archive things kind of for long-term storage or for research or things that I want to do later with them. The other thing that prompted me to switch over to Pocket is it has better support for videos. And sometimes I'll pull a video off of YouTube or somebody will post something on Twitter, like you just recently posted that you updated your PDF pen uh, video that you do these little videos. And I I want to go back and watch that at some point, but I saw it in a tweet and, you know, I, I may not remember where I saw that. And so if I add it into Pocket, it should go in and, you know, put a nicely formatted link and then put a link in there and a, a nicely formatted video that I can just watch quick videos in Pocket. And for the most part, that has worked well. I think Pocket overall has better video support than Instapaper does currently. It's still not perfect. I mean, I, I still am looking for better video support for a Read It Later service. And I know that's probably not what they were originally designed to do. The jury's still out. I don't know whether the switch to Pocket will be permanent. There are some things that I still miss about Instapaper. I mean, Instapaper is kind of like an old friend. I, I like a lot of the look and feel of Instapaper, a lot of the typography of Instapaper. Uh, so we'll see. The, the Pocket experiment is still ongoing. Yeah, for me, it's the uh, the if this, then that tagging is just so killer. Because before, what I would do is I would save it, and then it would be reliant on me going in Instapaper, seeing that, and saying, oh, yeah, I wanted to write an article about this. And then you know, there's a whole bunch of human-involved steps that often got missed. And I'm all about trying to get those those things off my plate if I can. While you were talking, I just went on the if this, then that website. And if you look at the triggers available to Pocket, it's any new item. So if any new, you can have that be a trigger, which would be probably too much for most people. Uh, any new item tagged, which is the one I use, and I use a single tag. Uh, any new favorite item. So if you have a favorite item and you want to like automatically share it with your significant other, you could do that. Uh, any new item archived, and you also can have an action. So not only does does uh, pocket become a noun, it also becomes a verb in if this, then that world where you can save something for later. So you can send something to it and have it save it to uh, your pocket for you. Inter There's an interesting note here it says pocket works best when thoroughly curated. <laughs> I think that's really an important piece of all this stuff is uh, do not use one of these read it later services to collect, you know, hundreds and hundreds of articles because you're just not going to read any of them. Right. That's sure. yeah, that's you know, that's a really good there, there are services that that are good for like capturing the web for you. Um, and one of them that occurs to me right now, which is slipping my mind is it will come to me in a minute. A read it later service for capturing the web. No, no, no. It's not a read letter service. What is it? It's the one that everybody... I, I... Fever? Nope, 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 nope. Not... Reference. It is called... Ah, this makes sure... I will come back. Up. You know, th th yeah, exactly. I'll I'll come back to that later because it's actually some... And I'm going to feel really dumb when I tell you what it is because it's an obvious name. We'll come to that back, back to that in a minute. But so Pocket's an interesting experiment. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. I didn't look. What are the Instapaper while we're while we're talking? You know what 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 has Instapaper done in terms of if this and that? And yeah, they just have the one thing. It's it's, a, it, it's an action. It's really just RSS support, kind of, or getting yeah things, yeah yeah. Well, hopefully they'll improve it. I'll tell you what if they if they embraced if this then that, I would definitely want to go back and compare them again. 
I agree. Okay, you know, I have a related pick. I saw and in that. fact, it, it cuts right into this whole issue of how much stuff you put into your Read It Later service. And it's this new app called Unread. Um, have you have you tried it out? I did. You know, it was it was the latest rage. Um, I think Federico was very, very uh, much into Unread. And I immediately downloaded it the first day that it was available. And I played around with it. I really wanted to like it for about a week. I just could not get into it, David. It's um so just to back up a little, Unread is by Jared Sinclair, who's one of the you know rock star app developers out there, and he made his own RSS app, and it's called Unread. And I have been a diehard user of Reader for years. So listeners of the show will know that I've been telling people to buy Reader probably about as long as we've been making the show. And uh, I thought, well, there's no way I'll pick anything else. And and the Reader has some really great features. I think it it has a really nice design. I think it renders text really well, and it's it's dead simple to automate. For instance, in Reader, so I'm going to – in the midst of making one pick, I'm recommending another app. So like in Reader, you can set custom gesture support. So let's say that you're a pocket user. You can make it in Reader so when you swipe an article in your RSS feed from right to left, it automatically saves it to pocket. I don't. Are you using Reader still? Is that what your app is? Well, I I just I'm confused because you said your pick was unread and now you're telling everybody about Reader. Well, it's a it's a journey, Katie Floyd. Okay. It's a journey. All right. You well, I'll, I'll tell me. you about my journey because I I've kind of dumped Reader. Okay. Well, anyway, so in Reader, that is a um, and, and I bet I know what you're going to say, but we'll get there in a second, Mister Reader. Anyway, uh, so you swipe right to left and it will automatically take your article and send it into Pocket or Instapaper or whatever your Read It Later service of choices. So imagine that you've got your list of you know 300 articles in your RSS feed every day and you just scroll down. You don't even have to open them up. You just see, oh, I want to read that one. Swipe left. And then you scroll down a little bit more. I want to read that one. Swipe left. And you go down, you get to the bottom, you mark all as red and you've just blasted through your RSS feeds. And that's what I had kind of evolved into doing with Reader after using it for all those years. And I was having a recurring problem that I would get into Pocket or Instapaper and realize that I had, you know, bit off way more than I could chew. I mean, if I quit my job, maybe I could read all the stuff I was marking for reading later. So then I had this other workflow that I would go through once a month where I would, you know, ritually delete, you know, like 90% of the stuff I had sent there and never with the best intentions to read it, but knew I would never actually read it. So it was getting goofy. And then this app Unread shows up. So I, I try it out and I notice immediately that it's delightful. And, and that is really the word for it because it makes nice little chirps and beeps and it animates really cleverly. And I have a question. I don't know. What? Does it sound like R2-D2? Can you program uh, that? If it could, I would pay extra. I would uh, in-app purchase. That, yeah. I would do that, Jared. If you're listening, in-app purchase. <laughs> you have to talk to people at Disney, though. But anyway, it, it really is. It's it's a very pleasant interface, and it, it's kind of delightful. And so I started playing with it, and I really, the other thing I noticed immediately is that it's much slower than Reader for me. For instance, to get an article out of unread into Pocket, there's a swipe and a tap. That's crazy, right? You know, I got to do two things where before I just did one and I, it, it really, it was eye opening for me. In fact, I have an article coming out in Macworld that probably will be out by the time this airs, uh, but about the idea of delight versus 
productivity or, you know, efficiency versus delight is really what the article is probably going to be called. And, and I got thinking, well, you know, reader is much faster, so I should just stick with reader. That's the one, but I really enjoy using unread. And so everybody in the audience is rolling their eyes right now, but, but think about that for a minute. When you interact with these devices, it should be fun, right? And so I said, I'm going to stick with it for two or three weeks and see what happens. And what I found out was I started adjusting my behavior to keep the app working for me. So I actually cut out several feeds that I just didn't really follow that closely. And I started realizing that with the little extra friction between the application and getting something into pocket, that I would stop and actually read more stuff in Unread than I was doing in Reader. Because Reader was just basically a clearinghouse or a triage for me. And then when I started looking at my pocket database, it was much smaller. So I was really only putting the really good stuff in there. And then when I found I opened pocket, I had a list of, you know, 15 articles instead of 50. And I actually had time to read them instead of spending a bunch of time deleting them. So it it was kind of a, a, a RSS spirit quest for me. All started with this app called Unread. And at the end of the journey, I feel that I'm kind of better off with the way things are. So I'm using Unread. I've got fewer feeds. It's a little harder for me to put things in pocket, but I have a lot more fun reading it. The delight is still there. And it all seems to have worked out for the best. Now, there are some people who would say that you really should be doing more curation on the front end. And so this stuff never shows up in your RSS feed because I think you're using Feed Wrangler, aren't you? Have you have you set up some filters and Yeah. Yeah, I do, but I, I also have a pretty wide net. I mean, I follow a lot of blogs related to Macintosh stuff and I follow blogs related to book writing stuff and I follow blogs relating to California civil litigation stuff. So, I'm a man of many interests. So, it's hard for me to just cut everything out. Well, and frankly, that's that's some of the back end stuff I'm doing too with Feed Wrangler. I mean, uh, just just narrowing the the pipe into Unread is is a big part of the solution. And there's no reason why I couldn't have done that and stayed with Reader the whole time. There's no reason why I couldn't have been just more uh, use a little more discretion in Reader and not flipped everything into Pocket as I so easily did. But for some reason, this application and kind of the delight aspect of it has has encouraged me to do this. And, and it really made me rethink kind of my uh, my experience with some of these iOS apps. Maybe I shouldn't be always thinking about what is the most efficient app, but what's the one that's more enjoyable? Isn't that, I think that's a legitimate reason to like an application. Yeah, that makes sense. My RSS spirit quest has, has taken me down a different path. And I still, I tried unread and I just, and maybe I need to go back to it. I, I still have it and, it's still set up. So as far as I know, it would sync up and work just fine if I launched it. But I just never could – I really – I couldn't figure out, and maybe they've changed this with one of the more recent updates, but marking all as red was a pain, and it just – it felt like it was too many swipes and taps, and, and maybe yeah, that they, was they intentional. Yeah, they fixed that now. Yeah. They fix that. Like if you have like a feed Wrangler feed, like my Apple feed, when I get to the bottom, if I just pull up, it, it marks everything above as red. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. And but it was just it was just too much, and I went back to Reader. But the thing is, is I very seldom use Reader on my iPhone. So I've got Mister Reader installed on my iPad, and I switched to Mister Reader during those dark days when Reader didn't work on the iPad. Because well, I don't remember, was it a couple of months where there was this gap? And I I I feel like 
Reader lost probably a, a ton of users because people had to go find other solutions. So I found Mr. Reader on the iPad. And at first I didn't really care for it. And I was just like, oh, this is just a stopgap. I'm just, I'm just waiting until Reader comes back. And then when version, and then Mr. Reader has gotten some updates since then. And then version two of Reader came out. And of course I bought it, but I just didn't care for it as much as I do now, the current version of, of Mr. Reader. And so I do almost exclusively R of my RSS reading and curating on the iPad. And that's the first thing that I'll reach for, you know, every morning is I'll grab the iPad and I'll open up Mr. Reader and I'll go through my RSS feeds. And it, I will actually read a lot of it if it's something that I'm interested in right then and there. You know, I set my alarm early enough. That's that's one of my morning rituals is where I have enough time to go through and read some of the things that I'm interested in my RSS feed. So I'll actually sit there and I'll read it inside Mr. Reader. And sometimes if it's something that I'm interested in but maybe don't want to take the time to read it right then and there, that's when I'll send it to Pocket and, and read it later. But I do a lot of reading actually within – uh, the feed itself, because I set aside those, you know, 15 minutes every morning to do that. And so when I'm on my iPhone and when I have some time to kill, that's when I'll pop open pocket on the iPhone and start reading things that I've already saved. And and only if I really have a lot of time to kill, am I going into reader and finding more? Well, I, I think that's Mr. Reader is, a, is an excellent application. And it seems like they're the one most in touch with kind of the automation and, just kind of the power user features that an RSS app would want. And thank goodness they fixed the icon. Right. The icon was driving me nuts when it was on my home screen. And I know that seems so weird or such a dumb reason not to like an application, but that old icon used to just make me crazy. Yeah. So switching gears, uh, my next Oh, you want my next pick, or do you want to take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor? <laughs> we're not doing very good. Katie. We're not. I, and I said, "This is oh, this is going to be a short show, David. Don't worry, we'll knock this out." Yeah, we're on pick number two. Why don't we do one more pick and then we'll do a, a spot? Okay. Um, so my next pick is Screens. Screens came out with version three for iOS, um, and then the version for Mac I think was a free update, but it's it's still version three. Um, and what Screens is, is it is a VNC solution for Mac and iOS. So um, again, there's a Mac version and there's an iOS version. The iOS version is $19.99. Uh, the Mac version is $34.99, both available in the App Store and the Mac App Store, respectively. And you can also download the free helper application, the Screens Connect application, uh, on your Mac or your Windows PC even. And and that's kind of the little beacon application. So you download this on your PC or your Mac. You you log into it using your Screen Connect login account. And, and it says, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. And that's the behind-the-scenes mechanism that, that allows this magic to all work. And so the screens, or you can also remote access and using SSH or VPN or any of those other things, but you can also just do the easy setup with Screens Connect if you don't want to mess with that. Um, so I have Screens Connect installed on my two home machines. My, um, oops, sorry, I forgot to mute my phone there. Um, I have it installed on my um, my MacBook Air at home and my Mac Mini at home. Um, and then uh, that's going through the Screens Connect service. And once you configure it on one machine, it all syncs up via iCloud. So all of your settings um, get saved. And then on my work PC, we had some firewall issues at the office. So I had to manually configure that for, for SSH at the office, but we were able to to get that working. I just had to 
to get a dedicated IP address and have it point to, to my machine there. And so now I can either open up screens for iOS, and it's either on my iPhone or my iPad, or screens for Mac, and I can tunnel in and screen share with any machine that I have connected. And it's just, it's an incredibly pleasant experience. It's got um, gesture support on iOS, so you can really zoom in and see a screen and tap and, and zoom. Um, you, It's beautiful. It's, you know, customized for, for iOS 7. Um, you can see multiple displays if you have multiple displays connected to your Mac. I mean, if you just need to, you know, grab a, or see something on a quick file or manipulate something or do something, um, it, it's a great way just to log in and, and check on something and do on something and then, and then pop back out. Yeah. Screens is just like the, it's the winner in terms of that remote access software. It looks, it just looks gorgeous and it's rock solid. I've bought it a couple times, but I have not bought the new version because I just don't have much cause for this stuff. Uh, I do need to tunnel into a PC at work. And a few years ago, I bought RDC for that. Um, well, first of all, I was using RDC and then I started using Jump Desktop because of the system we have at work. It actually worked better um, because it's an RDC client. But uh, I, I find, Katie, that I just don't find, have much cause for tunneling into another Mac. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I, let me, let me tell you a couple of use cases for how I use this. Um, I use it all the time from my Mac at home, going back to my Mac at the office because it allows me to work remotely from home and be as though I'm sitting at my office, which is, yeah. And that's what I do through jump desktop because of what we were required to do. But that's, but in terms of my Macs, cause I don't run a home server like you do. Or the virtual home server you have. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I've ha I've had cases where um, there's just something that I need to to log in and finish. Like for example, I've had to leave to go to work many times um, after we record this podcast. You know, it's it's still encoding or it's still uploading, and I've had to leave and go to work. And so when I get a few free minutes at the office, I'll I'll use screens to hop back into my Mac back at home. And, you know, send that file off to the folks at 5 by 5 who edit it or, you know, send something off to wherever it needs to go because it's it's a finishing some process on my Mac at home. So and the other thing that I use it for, so I use it I use it rarely to to remote back into my Mac at home, but but often enough that it's useful to have. You can also use back to my Mac for that um, and the screen sharing built into that. But the other thing that I do is I've also used this for some um, remote support with family members. Um, and so for close family members, and I wouldn't suggest doing this for, you know, just anybody, but for close family members, I've installed the Screens Connect client with my login credentials, like on my mother's machine and on my grandfather's machine, uh, because they both have Macs. And so I can remote into their machines. And um, on my grandfather's machine, for example, I, I remote in, you know, at least once a month and I run all of his updates and, and make sure that everything's working the way that it should and pop back out and everything's working. Remember the time that you asked me for my OmniFocus secret email address? Yeah. So you could just put tasks in for me. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get that. Sorry. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. one thing, just yeah. a real quick aside in my office, our server's dying and we're putting a server and my, at the same time, the PC in my office is dying. It looks like I'll be putting together a virtualized PC. So now I'll be tunneling into something that's on a server. I won't even have a PC box in my office, which is a little bit of a quiet victory for me. Hey, um, but that's enough about that virtualization stuff. We did a whole show on it. 
but it's kind of out of date. I guess we should probably go back and do that again at some point. I want to talk about a sponsor, and that is BusyCal. Um, BusyCal is a professional-level calendar application for your Mac. It's compatible with all the major cloud services like iCloud, Google, Exchange, EventSync. You can use BusyCal without getting locked in because it's just looking at that calendar sync database on your Mac. You can, If you're not sure, you want to try in comparison with the calendars app, you can go ahead. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work. And the fact is you're going to want to stick with it because it's, it's really just I, – I call it – I used to call it iCal Pro, Pro. Now I call it Calendars Pro because it's a, a group of really smart guys trying to say how do we make calendars better for people. And frankly, there's a lot of room for improvement with the built-in application on your Mac. It's got custom views. You can scroll by month or week views. Like, you know, when you want to – in fact, I did this at, at Macworld. Someone was saying, well, how do I show – two weeks on the week view on the built-in calendar app. And I explained you have to do a terminal command and you have to type in a variable and do all this weird stuff. Or you could just buy BusyCal and there's a preference. Show me 14 days in the week view. You know, that's just an example of the kind of stuff these guys are doing. Um, you can customize the number of weeks shown per month, the day shown per week. You can. It has a list view, which is just a, a godsend. You can just get a list of all your calendar events coming up and you can search it. Uh, it also has integrated to-dos. So if you want the to-dos to appear in your calendar on a specific day, they're due, or you can carry forward and to complete it. It's all done right within the application. Uh, they also have better alarms. So if you want to customize your snooze, you can do that. You don't have to have the set number of, of minutes. It can be a number of minutes, hours, or days. You're not stuck with that 15-minute interval. It's also got something that I love, which is the non-modal info panel. Have you ever noticed when you open the info panel in calendar and you can't do anything else in your calendar? Yep. BusyCal doesn't have that problem. You can actually be working in the calendar and the info panel at the same time. Uh, you're not artificially stuck like that. It's just a fantastic application. Uh, One-click access to your events and to-dos. You can get the, the weather forecast to show up on each day. Of course, I don't need that because I live in Southern California well, it's, where it's always wonderful weather. But, you know, Katie, you know where Katie lives, where I understand you have thunderstorms every few days and tornadoes. Yeah, well, yeah. hurricanes. Now, if BusyCal could put earthquakes, like we're going to have an earthquake next Thursday, boy, I, I would pay. That'd be an in-app purchase for me right there. I think that's version uh, three. It's coming. Yeah. I heard. Uh, but you get the, you get the weather forecast. Um, natural language event creation is built right in. Smart filters. So you can create smart filters just like you do smart playlists in iTunes and save them. You can even get the, the moon phases and graphics. They just really took calendars up a notch. Now, I want you to go check this out. Uh, you can find it at uh, busycal.com, I believe. And it's also BusyMac is their, is their main website, busymac.com. And from there, you can see both BusyCal and the new product that we learned about at Macworld, BusyContacts, which is really coming away nicely. We just got an email from the developer saying that the betas are going great. Pretty soon, they're going to have a public beta, and they're anticipating getting this thing released in the summer. So if you want to get in early, go down to their website, busymac.com, and sign up for the public beta. You can get in, and you can check it out. And that's another application that's sorely in need of love and support. I mean, when you look at the built-in contacts app, there is room for improvement. And they've got the same kinds of stuff heading our way with busy contacts that we're getting with BusyCal. You know, the smart groups and the integration with BusyCal Calendar. It's, it's definitely going to become an immediate purchase for me as soon as it releases. So thanks, BusyMac, with your great products, BusyCal and BusyContacts, for supporting the show. And I encourage you all to go check it out.
All right, David, for those counting at home, we are now on your second pick. Okay, well, hey, we're getting started, but and we, we had a whole discussion there. It's it's, we, it's 30 minutes into the show, but that's okay. We, but we had a whole discussion. We covered uh, – that that RSS journey for me was, was something because uh, when I get that hooked on an app like Reader, it's very hard to, to shake me loose. Okay, I've got one, though. I'm, this one is Mac-related because you got to have one of those. The Better Touch Tool Remote. Have you played with this? No. I mean, I'm familiar with Better Touch Tool. Okay, so if you have Better Touch Tool on your Mac, and if you don't, shame on you. Well, it for, is, for the people who don't have it, tell them real quick what it is. I, I was just getting there, Katie. Oh, okay, sorry. So everybody's got these trackpads now, whether it's a um, it's a, it's the trackpad built into your laptop or it's the uh, – what is the name of this trackpad I've got next to my iMac here? The Magic, Magic trackpad. trackpad. You know, so these things are very uh, sensitive, and they there's a lot going on on there. But, you know, Apple can only put so much automation and so many, you know, clicks into this thing before the the muggles start to freak out. But, hey, we're all Mac power users, so we want to make more happen with this trackpad. So there's this application called Better Touch Tool, and it's free. Uh, well, it's donationware, and you should really give a donation. I try to remember the developer's name, and I don't have it on the tip of my tongue right now. Uh, but it what it does is it allows you to supercharge your trackpad. So, for instance, if you want it to say every time you tap out Beethoven's Fifth, it starts iTunes and plays you know music. You can make it do that. It it just if you want to say I want to hold down three fingers, I want to hold down three fingers and then tap the fourth finger two times, uh, load uh, load my RSS app. It will do that. I mean, this thing is completely customizable, and. There's just there's really almost no limit to the things you can do with it. And this is one of these tricks where I know you've been listening to me talk about it. Uh, and we've had guests that also have sung its praises. But you really have to just go download it and try it. Um, and so the developer keeps adding all these tricks to it. Like, you know, the Leap Motion Controller, he's added that to Better Touch Tools. So if you've got one of those Leap Motion Controllers, you can wave your hand around the room and stuff will start happening. Um, he's got the magic mouse attached to it. So you can do all this great stuff, um, but you get it and you start picking a couple things. For instance, let's say you like to go full uh, toggle between full screen and um, not full screen on your Mac a lot. And, and I, I'm one of those people because I actually like the full screen on a lot of my apps. Um, you can have a better touch tool gesture that will do that rather than having to fiddle with your mouse, find the upper right corner or get the keyboard shortcut. So you can do all this stuff with just your fingers. So I guess I should talk about my pick now, right? Yes. So Better Touch Tool makes your iOS device another input device for Better Touch Tool. It looks at the thing. It looks at your uh, your remote on your phone or your iPad, and you can tap a button there, and stuff starts happening on your Mac. That's just cool. I can't so help is it, myself. Is it instead of or in addition to? In addition to. In addition to. I mean, like, what do you got? Two hands going at any given time on your trackpad? Uh, I'm, I am not messing around, Kitty Floyd. I'm not messing around. I'm telling you right now. You use it like as a foot controller or something? Or I could be across the room. Yeah, I guess that's true. Anyway, check it out. And frankly, it's just another way to give them some money. But it, it really is powerful. I mean, when you start thinking about all the ways you should be able to control your Mac with your fingers in these great trackpads and the limited ways in which you're able to, uh, there, there's a lot of room there to grow. I'm surprised something like that made it through sandboxing, but I guess I can't off the top of my head think about what's wrong with it. No, and it's driving me nuts that I don't know the developer's name. 
Okay. Well, you can Google I've, that. Yeah, I've even emailed the guy. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking here. I gotta I gotta get this right. Gotta get it right, Kitty Floyd. Okay. Uh, anyway, better touch tool. Go check it out. So my next pick is something that I've been playing with, and you remember in our epic Merlin Man episode, it's been a couple of weeks now, but maybe it's been a couple of months now, um, since Merlin came back and we had this whole practically show yeah. about home automation. Yeah. And I think people are kind of tired of that from us, but yeah, well, and you and I during that show, I think both went out and bought these smart things. Yeah. Yeah. Merlin man is the best marketer on the planet. Yeah. So I got one and it comes with this accompanying iOS app and the iOS app is pretty cool because the iOS app is, is really the interface because the smart thing itself is, is really just a, a little white box that you, you plug into your network somewhere. But with the app is really where you configure everything. So like I stuck a sensor on my garage door, for example, and the app will tell me, is my garage door open? Is my garage door closed? Because I don't know about you, but how many times have I driven back from work wondering, gotten halfway to the office and then turned around thinking, oh, did I close my garage door? I've never done that. Really? I can just say, yeah. I, I, I used to do it at least at least once a month. But, but something I do wonder – in wonderful Southern California where the weather's perfect um, is sometimes it gets really hot here and I worry about the temperature in my garage. And one of the great things about these smart sensors is not only does it tell you if the door is open, it tells you what the temperature is in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So, but not only will it tell you if the door is open and closed, you can also configure these actions based on the door. So I've got an action that says, and also it knows where you are. So it knows if I'm home because it knows where my iPhone is. And I've basically said, okay, my iPhone is me because I don't go anywhere without it. So if my iPhone is at home, that means you set my presence to home. If my iPhone is away, set my presence to away. So I've basically set up this, this rule that says, if my presence is is away. And if I've been away for more than, I think I set the threshold at two minutes or something like that. And my garage door is open, send me a text message. Yeah. And that solves the problem that, you know, I worry about with if this and that, where it's only got one level of rule, you know, it's if the, and there's no, there's no two conditions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really nice app and, and there's a lot of pieces to it. I, I'm slowly getting invested. I think I'm going to next get one of those outdoor, they have an outdoor sensor that gives you like humidity and a whole bunch of information about the outside. And in addition to motion, uh, let me tell you about that. So I got one of those, I got one of those outdoor sensors Yeah. and I put it outside my front door, but I specifically put it facing in so that it wouldn't catch people walking by the street. You'd actually have to come up to my front door before it would go off. And I had no end of trouble with false alarms for a minute. Like anytime the wind blowed, anytime the wind blowed, I don't think that's proper grammar. Anytime the no. wind blows, I would have a um, a false alarm of motion at the front door, motion at the front door. Okay. Yeah. That's not a good sign. Yeah. So I don't know. And and I tried adjusting the sensitivity and I put the sensitivity almost all the way down. Now, it it actually would trigger when somebody was at the front door. But there were some days when it would trigger once by accident, and then there were days where it would trigger 20 times by accident. I finally just turned it off. Well, even just the ability to have the rule that if you're not home and the door has been open for five minutes, send me a message. Like when you have kids, they just sometimes don't shut the door all the way, and that's already saved my bacon a few times. Yeah, it's a it's a nice app, and it's an interesting technology. And, and you know, frankly, we'll keep talking about it on the show, but um, – as it evolves, because I think this stuff really is evolving. 
Um, my next pick is another one that is Mac related, and it's Command C. And there's been a lot of apps over the last few years that deal with you know getting stuff from my iThingy to my Mac, or getting stuff from my Mac to my iThingy. And Command C is, I think, the current leader in this. Uh, it's a really nice app. It, it, you know, there's not a lot to say. You install it on your iPad, your iPhone, your Mac, and when you put stuff on the clipboard, you can move it back and forth. How does Command C compare to say PaySpot? Because PaySpot used to do this. Uh, you know, it's just got it's a more modern application. It looks better. It's got an iOS app. I'm sorry, it's got an iPad app. Because PaySpot, PaySpot hadn't been updated in ages, it hasn't been in yeah. years. Yeah, you can share uh, clipboard history. It's um, I don't use it entirely, probably as deeply as I could, but just the ability to get bits of text over to me is is worth the price of admission. I don't even know what I paid for it. Um, I wish they they had on iTunes the ability to see how much something costs when you've already paid for it. I think this might have been a free app at one point. Um, I think the Mac version is free. I don't think it currently is free on iTunes. Give me some examples of things that you use Command C for daily because I bought it. I bought it because everybody said it was so cool, but I haven't found a need for it yet. Um, just when I get little bits of text I want to put across, you know, I mean, it's just the ability to have that connection is good in general. Yeah, it's three ninety nine. I guess by it just way. depends. Yeah, it just depends. Like I'm working on right now. I'm working on a new. Um, field guide and I've got all kinds of stuff I'm doing with text right now. So I guess it just keeps you from pasting it in an intermediary place. It keeps you from pasting yeah. it in by word and pulling it out. Of yeah. There. Having to move it across. And, and sometimes that's the better solution, but a lot of times it isn't. A lot of times you don't want to monkey around with sending stuff that way. Just, just open up command C and you're good to go. Okay. I don't know if I did a very good job of selling it, but, if if that's something that you have a need for, it's it's not that expensive to get into it. Um, so I'm going to jump around a little bit in in my picks, and I found an interesting one, uh, kind of by accident because I needed to solve a unique problem, and it's called Tune In Radio. And I realized, thanks to all of this technology that we have, that I don't own a radio anymore. I mean, I have one in my car, but other than that, I don't have a radio. And that's kind of weird. So we, um, I, I wanted to, I don't have cable, uh, and I wanted to watch the um, college national, or the college final four, because uh, my team was was in the final four. And I, I, wanted, well, I wanted to listen to it more so. And I was just making dinner and wanted to listen to the final four and see what was going on. And I didn't have any access to it. Um, to watch it on TV. So I said, oh, well, I'll just grab a radio. I, I know that it's on uh, radio. And I dug around my house for about 10 minutes before I came to the conclusion that I didn't have a radio. And so then I started going through, um, okay, well, sh surely this is streaming somewhere on the internet, right? And I, I went to a couple of different websites where I thought it might be streaming and I couldn't find it. And then I found a station, a local station's website that I knew carried it. Uh, and they said, well, if you want to listen to it, you need to grab TuneIn Radio because that's apparently how they stream all of their radio stations now. So I went and, okay, it's a free iOS app. I grabbed it. And it just has hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of radio stations from across the country 
that are available. So you can find local stations likely uh, as well as national stations. And um, I was able to quickly, it was one of the featured stations because obviously that was featured programming at that particular moment. Uh, but I was able to tune in and, and listen to the, the final four. And it was great. I was able to airplay it to any of the speakers in my house or, or throw it to my Bluetooth speaker. And I, I had a radio. Well, that solved the problem, right? It did. Um, and they also stream a number of, of local stations, which is kind of important here uh, for hurricane time. So I probably should go get an inexpensive radio because that's that's important for hurricane time. But it at least solved the problem that day. I had a funny conversation with my uh, with my 17 year old going on 18, who's uh, she, you know, she's she's such an Anglophile. I'm pretty sure that at some point, if I'm going to want to see grandchildren, I'm going to have to fly to to England if things go the way she'd like them to go. And I walked in her room and she was listening to BBC radio. And I'm like, where are you getting that from? And did you know there's an app that has like all the British radio stations on it? It doesn't surprise me at all. And um, so that's so the American kids are listening to the British, all the British stations through a similar app. Now, I was going to see if I can find it, and uh, I have to go through the family uh, iTunes, you know, history to find it because I didn't buy it or install it, and I will come back to that one later as well. But there is such an app out there. Very you cool. kind of caught me off guard with that one, Katie. You didn't like that one. No, you caught me off guard because I don't. I can't remember the name of this British app as well. But I do remember the other app I was thinking about earlier. So let me go on that one really quick. Um, Pinboard. How come I can remember the name Pinboard? Oh, I I had no idea that's where you were going. Okay. Yeah, Pinboard is a great place if you want to archive the internet. You know, if you have a paid account in Pinboard, they will actually save the content even if the website goes down. So, you know, one of the things you can do is put a bookmark in to send a pin board. So maybe there are only five things or ten things you want to read in Pocket or Instapaper. But maybe there's some stuff there that you just want to have for reference. Like, you know, like when Macworld Magazine does like a good review of the new MacBook Air. And you say, well, I want to just keep that. I may need that someday um, if somebody asks me about which one to buy. So you could save it to Pinboard. And, and with a paid account on Pinboard, they will do a good job. Uh, have you used Pinboard much, Katie Floyd? I do, and and Pinboard's very inexpensive. It's it, the price goes up very minuscule every year. I think it's like fourteen dollars and change right now for a. Oh man, I I, I got a steal. I think it was like seven dollars and change when I got in. So here's how I use Pinboard, and I I realize that I'm probably using it wrong. Please forgive me. Um, but I and you can sync one of the settings in Pinboard is you can sync Pinboard with your Instapaper or your Pocket um, services. Yeah, so you can automatically send anything you send to Pocket or Instapaper automatically goes to Pinboard. Yeah, and then you can also share those feeds. So, David, if if you were curious, and I know there are ways to do these through the various services, but anything that I am interested in and send to Pocket or Instapaper, depending on whatever my services of choice, that will get synced up with Pinboard, and I have made my Pinboard public. So if you're interested in whatever you think I may be interested in, you can go subscribe to my pin board and see whatever I've saved. That's, that's, that's nice. I, so I save stuff automatically through pocket, but I also push other things to pin board that I don't necessarily want to read in pocket, but I want to have available for future reference. And, and my pick now related to this is there's a really great pin board application called push pin. Okay. 
And I believe this is one of the ones that are more expensive. I think I paid like $10 for it, but I paid more than I did for the original pinboard subscription. But it just does a really great job of making it really easy to get to all your pinboard articles, to read them, to have access to them. And whenever I need to get into pinboard, I, I go push pin. And that, that was a very pleased with that application. I think it's pretty new. I don't know how long it's been out or it was just a recent update that, that got me on board with it. Pushpin, and that one is by Lionheart Software. Nice looking app. Do you have a pinboard app of choice? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really access pinboard. I mean, I can go back and access it on the web if I ever need to pull anything out of my archives. But it, for me, pinboard's mainly an archiving service. Yeah. Okay. So, Makes sense. But if you want to read what I'm interested in, I'm Katie Floyd on pinboard. So have nice. at it. Yeah. The um uh, the application that has the British uh, radio stations is appropriate call, appropriately called UK Radio Live. And you couldn't come up with that. I could. Well, I knew it was an app. That, I just saw it on her uh, phone. I didn't actually have it installed. I, I was looking at while we were talking about. It, I was looking at the recent purchases in the Sparks family. Oh dear. And the um, it looks like one of my daughters is downloading a tremendous number of applications to learn to speak French. That's the twelve year old. And a 17-year-old is downloading nothing but British UK radio. I'm really worried about my future. Well, I think I'm going to be old and drooling on myself, and they're going to be across the country. And then the other two apps that were downloaded was Comixology, the new Comixology. And that was and, yours. And, and, yeah, and the Yoda Chronicles Lego Star Wars, which was also mine. Also yours. So of the three people in your family that you've mentioned, I think I'm most concerned for your well-being than I am for theirs. They're going to be yeah. just fine. Well, can I, I'm regressing. Is, is there is there perhaps a a twelve year old boy in your house? There's one in my life for the last forty years. So yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, while, while we ponder on that, I do want to take a quick break and talk about our next sponsor for this episode, and that is our good friends over at Backblaze. And you know, Backblaze is a is a new sponsor to Mac Power users. I have always been aware of Backblaze because, as you know, I am a a big proponent of off-site backup. I mean, I believe that one backup is not a backup, uh, you know, and that in order to truly have backup, you know, your backup has to be, you have to have at least one copy off-site. Uh, it has to be redundant. It has to be automatic. And Backblaze solves all of those problems because it's off-site backup. It happens automatically. You don't have to do anything. You set it and forget it. And I actually had an opportunity to go meet these folks at Macworld. And after meeting them, I am sold. You know, I've I've been frustrated with my backup solution for a while. And I, I went to the Back Bailey's booth and I talked to them and I saw their solutions. And um, first off, it's just an amazing operation that they have set up there. They brought one of their storage pods and, and you could just see all of the hard drives sitting in it. They had it set up. Uh, the, the the architecture that they have developed to store all of this data is just absolutely phenomenal. They've open sourced it. And then they've put all this information, this wealth of information about when do hard drives die? What hard drives have we seen die? At what point in their life cycle do we see die? Do you really get more bang for your buck when you go with the enterprise level hard drives versus the regular hard drives? And they've made all this available if you if you read their blog. It's just fascinating. It's one I suggest you uh, subscribe to in your RSS feeds. 
But I digress. So what I'm saying is they're really good citizens of the Mac community. Um, and what Backblaze does is they allow you to back up an unlimited amount of data, almost any kind of file type, and any direct connected external drive for just $5 a month. Uh, the big thing for me is that they have a native Mac app. So it's not a port of something else. It's their own native app. They've got former Apple engineers on board, so they know how to do this type of stuff. You install it. It's perfectly compatible with Mavericks. You, it will automatically back up everything that's in, that it thinks is important on your drive, and then you can go in and completely configure it however you want. But the more important thing that you need to know is that they have got great experience at actually restoring these files. They have over 5 billion successful file restores, and they'll restore even one file if you need to just something that you need to grab or all of your files from the web, or you can access it via their iOS app. So you don't have to worry about add-ons. You don't get any additional charges. It's just $5 per month per computer for unlimited, unthrottled backups. So um, you can give it a free try, um, and that's how I started. I started with a 15-day free trial, no credit card required. And for most people, depending on your internet connection and how much data you have, that 15-day free trial is going to be pretty reasonable time to get most of your data, or at least certainly all of your important data, up to Backblaze. Um, and then you can see how you like it. Um, if you've already got Backblaze or you've already got a backup solution that you're happy with, I bet you know somebody in your life who doesn't. And so uh, Mother's Day is... Uh, well, I think by the time this show has, has released, Mother's Day was already here. But Father's Day is coming up. So you can give the gift of Backblaze to a friend or family member for only 50 bucks a month. You pay for it once and they get an entire year of uh, off-site backup. And that's the gift that keeps on giving. So if you want to try out Backblaze, you can go to backblaze.com slash MPU. And it's really important that you go to that site because that lets them know that we sent you. And thanks to Backblaze. Uh, for their support of Mac Power users. Is it my turn or your turn? I think it's my turn for picks. Maybe it's yours. So my next pick in uh, in this category is one that I think we've we've mentioned a lot, but that I feel like I have to mention because it kind of got a, a rebirth. And that is If This Then That on iPad. And it has totally changed the way that I have used If This Then That. It's just something about the If This Then That interface on iOS that makes it a joy to be able to um, go through, browse the channels, see sample recipes, it, it's almost like being able to reach out and touch it with your fingers and move things together and put things together and create these recipes just brings a whole different dimension to it. So you mean it's delightful? It is delightful. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I agree. And and it adds a whole bunch of new sensors in essence, you know, because it's got location aware and other things going on on your iPad that gives it one more data point. Yeah. Um, so it, I just, I sat down one night and, and was playing with, I just popped up and, oh yeah, if this, then that is on the iPad. And, and I initially poo-pooed it because, well, I've got if this, then that on my phone. So that takes care of any of the contact or photo or location management sync that I want to do. But now that if this, then that is on my iPad, 
well, I'll just pop it open and see what I've got. And boom, I must have created 10 new recipes that night. Just, okay, well, well, let me see if I can do this or do that or what my options are. Yeah, but speaking of which, I, I need we need to hear from our listeners on some of these other uh, recipe contests we have going, like the one with the Wemo switch. So, um, do you have any fun new if this and that recipes you want to share? Yeah, I've 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 talked about several in past episodes. Like today, I talked about the one I use with tags and pocket. But it, there's just really no limit to this stuff. Anything that you got, you can connect. And and I keep buying things that have just because they have if this then that channels. Like a lot of this stuff that uh, the smart home, uh, the smart thing stuff, all that stuff is if this, then that channels. So I, cr- I created a really simple one again that I never thought I would create just because it was available on the iPad. And I said, huh, that's a channel I've never seen before. Um, so there's a sports channel ab- available on if this, then that. And I must admit that I'm really not a sports fan. Sorry. I never, I never would have guessed Katie. I thought that you were a face painter. Yeah. So um, there's an ESPN channel on if this, then that, but I, I live in a, in a sports town and I am related to sports people. So I feel like I have to have a certain awareness of sports. Otherwise they just, they just, well, they don't get me as is, but I, I'm really the odd one out. If I just don't even have an awareness that the local team even played yesterday. Sometimes so. it's a defensive thing too. Like I have a friend, her husband is a big, big, angels baseball fan here in orange county and and she says that she needs to know whether they won or not before she goes home because when she gets home you know her situation at home will vary depending on how the team did that day so it's like a defensive thing that's just ridiculous so i i set up an if this then that trigger because you can have um triggers now that create give you push notifications on your phone and so i set up an if this then that trigger so i said espn and then you can pick all your teams. It says, okay, well, pick your sport and then pick your team. And I said, so if this particular team plays, uh, send me a push notification with the final result. That's good to know. And now it's like I get credit for watching the game, which, of course, I do I, not. I think you actually are a face painter, and it's all a big lie. I'm, sure, I'm sure that's what it is. Okay, I've, I've got one. Uh, oh, oh, and my cousin. I told you, did I tell you my cousin plays? Um, uh, football for the Atlanta Falcons. So I set up a recipe for for him, so I could good for him. What position does he play? He's a fullback. Wow. Yep. Fancy. Yep. Pat Demarco. Um, you are you are famous, Katie Floyd. I I he has more Twitter followers than me. That's really bothersome. Well, we need to work on that. I know. Everybody get to work out there. Yeah, he's got like uh, a lot. Yeah, I bet. Um, so I've, I've got an app that, uh, I mentioned once I searched the archives. I mentioned this once on a show, but I've never really given it kind of the full treatment and, you know, going back to the problem with pocket or Instapaper, sometimes I have a bunch of articles on there and I don't have time to read them all, but why not listen to them? And there's a great app called voice dream with no space in the app store. It's $10 and it, it will connect to your Instapaper or your pocket account and some of these other services and it'll grab the text from that and it'll read it out loud to you. So sometimes when I've got a long article in there, especially kind of like the long form stuff, and I'm about to make a drive, I'll go through and just have it read an article to me while I'm driving around town. Now, I, I use VoiceStream as, as well. Um, what voice do you use? Have you bought well, any of the specialized voices? Th- yeah, you, you can buy voices if you want. In fact, 
for my daughter, I could buy the British voices if I needed to. But I, right now I'm using the standard one. I thought I'd just play it. This is the article from Macworld Magazine about the latest uh, MacBook Airs. So I'm just going to play it so you can hear the pacing. MacBook Air review. A little faster, a little slower, a little more affordable. Macworld.com. There's not much new about. So that's totally uh, doable. I mean, it, now it that's, doesn't. That's not the Siri voice because you can have the option to have it read it in her voice or you can have the option to read it in Siri, I think. Okay. And, or you can download voices and, right. and I'm sure they're pretty nice voices. I, you know, so it's, it's really great to be able to do this. And frankly, it's, it's one more way for me to kind of consume content that I don't otherwise have time for. Yeah. I've, I've used voice stream before and I've gone back and forth on the voices and right now I have it reading in Siri, which is kind of cool, but kind of weird at the same time. Yeah. And if you have a Bluetooth in your car, it plays right through the speaker. Yeah. Or if you have a you know connection, whatever. Yeah. The other one I've played with is uh, Umano, and I may not be pronouncing that right. U M A N O. And I'm not sure if we've talked about that on the show or not. I think it came up once, but we didn't go into it in any great detail. Yeah, and and it has um, curated news articles from all kinds of walks of life, and including a technology section which are, are read by voice actors. So yes, you have mentioned this up. Yeah. yeah. So that's now, of course you don't get the selection that you would um, with voice stream. Cause with voice stream, you're going to be, you know, picking whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they didn't hire a paid actor to read the Mac world review of the new MacBook air, but they should. I mean, don't you think Richard Dreyfus or James Earl Jones or, I mean, who can we call, really? You just said James Earl Jones. Now you got me thinking about the Star Wars picture. I uh, know. Okay. All right. Let's move on. What you? What have you got next? Hey, James Earl Jones wasn't in the cast list, was he? Well, he he wouldn't be. Why? Oh, he's he dead. Be? That's right. I forgot. His story is yeah, over. He's dead. Darth Vader's dead. Yes. Thank you, everyone. I got some really great tweets and emails on the fourth be the fourth be with you day. You didn't like my tweet. I thought your tweet was wonderful. It was touching in its own special way. Okay. What do you got next, Katie Floyd? Um, no. Oh, here's a fun one. Calendar paste. Have you played with that at all? Yeah, on your advice. Yeah, it's it's a dollar ninety nine. It's available in the App Store, and it it just got updated to version two point and I pretty sure it was a free update because I don't remember paying for it again. I think I've only paid for it once. Um, and I think it's a little known app, but I, I think Brett Terpscher was the one who originally told me about this app. And so here's, here's the thing. And I, this is great for planning podcasts. So the idea behind calendar paste is it's basically templates for calendars events. So like, for example, when you and I record a podcast with a guest, um, we always set it for an hour and a half because typically our shows are almost on the money an hour and a half. Um, we always put it on the same calendar. We put it on our shared MPU calendar. Um, and then we always have in the notes section some special instructions for the guest, you know, including, you know, some instructions about recording, some instructions about connecting on Skype and things like that. And it's kind of a pain for every time we go to to connect with a guest to to create a new invitation for a new calendar event with all of that information on it. Um, so what I've done is I've set that up as a template and calendar page. So I've, I've pre-saved the, the time, I've pre-saved the date, I've pre-saved the location, I've pre-saved the notes. 
and I've pre-saved what calendar it's going to go on. And so all I have to do is open up calendar paste. And the only thing I have to tell it is I have to tell it when, because that's the X factor. That's what changes. So I tell that the time it puts it on the calendar and then I just invite the guests and it's already got all of the information pre-populated, um, you know, record Mac power users hour and a half. Here's the date. Here's the time. Here's all the Skype instructions and the information that you need to know. It kind of makes it look like we have it together. Yeah, it does. I agree. Good um, app. Yeah, you can you can also set up stuff for, um, you know, if you have particular meetings that, you know, for example, maybe aren't at the same date and time, but always maybe they're at the same location or maybe, uh, you know, some, things are similar enough about them or your work shift is always six hours, but but the time changes or things like that. You can set up these templates and then plug in your information. All right. I, I want to pick up the pace and cover some more. Before I do, I want to talk about our next sponsor which is the Omni Group, in particular Omni Graffle. Uh, Omni Graffle 6 is now out. You can uh, check that out. It's really a nice upgrade to an already pretty fantastic product. So Omni Graffle is the diagramming tool of choice on the Mac. If you need to make a, a diagram of something or create relationship templates, uh, Omni Graffle is where I always go to do it. It's The new version has a better interface. It's got new icons. It looks great in full screen, and on my Retina MacBook Pro, it really looks good. Uh, they've got the single sidebar now, so it's kind of following the same template as Apple. The tools don't move around the screen. You always know where everything is. And it selects the appropriate inspector based on the selection. So if you select text, you get one set of tools. If you select an object, you get another. They also improve the layer management and sharing across canvases and guide management. You can export now to Photoshop, which is pretty cool. Um, and they have this really cool thing where you can uh, scale an object and it combines the scaling of not only the object, but the text. I mean, it used to be like if you made an object and you wrote text in it and you made the object bigger or smaller, the text didn't adjust with it and it got kind of weird. So that they've really done some great stuff. It's uh, They've solved three problems I hear. They've made it powerful and they've made it simple and they've made it deep. So what do I use OmniGraffle for? I diagram everything. I'm one of those people who's a visual thinker. I need to see something on, you know, visually for me to completely understand. Like Katie, if, if you ask me for directions, I will draw you a map. I won't write out the words. And that's just the way I, I roll. And so when I sit down and talk to people, I will try and diagram it out. Well, why not just diagram it out digitally and then I've got a permanent version? And using the tools in OmniGraffle, they look better than I could do with a pencil and a piece of paper. And it's something I can share or I can use in an opening statement later or send it to a client or whatever you need to do. Uh, you can put relationships of people or companies. You can use it to show transactions and how they flow. You could do it to you could use OmniGraffle to set up a workflow in your office about how you're going to process new sales leads or something like that. Um, I made some OmniGraffle templates for a client recently because they were they're in um, there's some new laws and they need to comply with them. So I made these very detailed OmniGraffles with kind of a flow chart of how things work out. And I sent it to the president of the company so he would understand. And to my, without even my knowledge, and next time I went to visit him in his office, he had blown these things up to like you know, you know, four feet tall, and he had like plastered them to the wall in the main room for all his employees to see, so everybody could track to make sure they were doing everything legally. Um, OmniGraffle, all that was done in OmniGraffle, and you know, it made me look really great. So go check it out. You can buy it from the App Store or from the Omni Group. 
uh, directly. I recommend with the Omni apps, frankly, to buy them directly from the Omni group because they're going to have upgrades in a few years and you're going to want to get that upgrade pricing, which Apple hasn't really supported yet. And also, it's, it just seems to make more sense. Uh, the cost is $99 for the standard version, $200 for the pro version. They have upgrade pricing. They have student discounts. Go check it out. You can get a free two-week trial. And if you like it on your Mac, you're going to want it on iOS, too. They've got an iPad version that's really great. You can get the iOS version for $49.99. So go check it out. If you have need for professional-looking diagrams that aren't going to take you a ton of time to create, OmniGraffle is the solution you want. Thanks, Omni Group, for supporting the podcast. And everybody, go check it out. I think it's my turn again. It's always your turn, but okay. That's all you said last time. Yeah. Okay. Chef's feed. I've got one that I like just when I'm going out. You know, I've been trying to find more interesting places to eat. And my kids are getting old enough now that we don't have to go find chicken nuggets every time we want to go eat. And uh, this app was actually told to me by our friend Rob Cordry. And it's an application called Chef's Feed. I think it was free. And basically, it's a collection of chefs recommending their favorite restaurants and dishes in various cities. And so whenever I'm out, of, out in the town, like L.A., uh, we always open up Chef's Feed and we find some interesting place to go eat and an interesting meal. So, if, so it's like a curated list of, of great restaurants and food. And is it only in major cities or? Yeah. Yeah. It's not in it's not everywhere. Okay. Like I was just looking at there's one here in Austin, Texas. They've got they've got several cities covered. Just open it up and check it out. But if you're any if you're near a large city, there's a very good chance you're going to find some interesting food uh, options. Yeah. I like that better than the ones that just randomly, you know, spit out a restaurant that they got off a database. Yeah. Um okay. So if you want to buzz through these a little bit faster, my next one is uh THX Tuneup. And I think I heard about this from John Saracusa because I have never really been an audiophile or a videophile. You know, honestly, the, the TV came out of the box years ago when I first bought it. And it's been sitting up, you know, on my tabletop ever since. And that's just what it was. And it, it looks fine to me, whatever. Um, and these guys on ATP started talking about, oh, well, you know, is it calibrated and you can pay some guy like $300 to come out and professionally calibrate your TV and supposedly it's so much better. Um, and John was talking about this app that was, I think, two ninety nine at the time, but now it's free in iTunes called THX TuneUp. And what this is, is an app that you run through your iPhone or your iPad. I personally prefer to run it through the iPhone because it's the 16 by 9 screen, which is the same as most TVs now. And you can either direct connect it via HDMI or you can uh, airplay it to an Apple TV. And it runs you through a series of tests to properly configure all of the settings on your TV. And it's both audio and visual settings. So it's, you know, for example, do you have the color saturation Saturation. Oh, I can say that. Do you have the color saturation of the the TV correct? Is is the contrast of the TV correct? Um, is the tint correct so that your skin tones look proper? Is the brightness correct so that you're seeing shadows? Um, is the aspect ratio correct so that things aren't distorted? And it has um, five or six little scenarios that it will walk you through and it will say, okay, well, adjust this setting on your TV, you know, find this setting on your TV and adjust it until, um, you know, these, you know, and it will show you a bunch of different test patterns. And I ran through it and I adjusted several of the settings on my TV 
and of course, like anything, there's a, there's a little bit of a, you have to get used to it because I've had the same TV with the same settings on my TV for, you know, seven years. And so I, I thought it looked just fine and I got used to it. Um, but then after I, I tweaked it and I started looking at it, it really looked a lot more natural. I mean, the people that I was watching on the TV looked like actual people and maybe not so much cartoonish. Um, and anyway, it was, it was a very positive experience. And now that it's free, it was, it was even better. So THX tune up. I'm pretty sure the settings got all out of whack because you keep smashing beer cans against your head and throwing them at the TV when your team loses. That's exactly, it's probably what it was. You should probably run this, like get an OmniFocus task, repeating task, like every four months to run this again. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I just got a new TV uh, right before the end of the month because um, Amazon started charging sales tax. So I, I bought my TV right before that kicked in. Uh, and, yeah. and that was the first thing I did is I, I ran the THX tune-up on it and, and made sure that right out of the box it was configured. Because a lot of the times out of the box, these are not configured for optimal settings. A lot of the times they're configured um, for showroom settings, which is not how most of us watch our TVs. Yeah. Everybody looks kind of nuclear and golden. Yeah. Well, that's a good pick, Katie. I just I just, just downloaded it while you were talking about it. I've got another one that's kind of interesting. It's a new application for managing contacts. And I know there's a lot of those out there. Once again, this is another thing that's ripe for third-party development. People are trying to come up with better solutions. But this is the first one that I saw that really kind of took a new paradigm. It's called Mingle, M-I-N-G-L-E. I think it's a dollar or two dollars. It's not very expensive. And the um, the developer actually emailed me uh, while it was in development, and I just didn't have time to look at it. And when it came out, I bought it anyway, and I really like it. So what it does is it takes contacts, and it deals with swiping in, as opposed to tapping. You know, usually every contacts app gives you a list of names. And if I tap on Katie Floyd, then it shows me all of her contact information, her Twitter account, her email, blah, blah, blah. And then I tap something there to make something happen. With Mingle, like the line this is Kitty Floyd on, I can just drag, you know, your little icon, your face across, and then there are things I can drop it on, like I can do a tweet, or I can send you a message, or I can send you an email. So it's a very elegant way to just find a contact and start an action right from there. And I thought it was just kind of interesting. There's a lot of email applications that are doing similar things with managing inbox items like triage and boxer. There's a couple of them out there that are doing stuff like this. This is the first time I've seen it applied to contacts. And it just got me thinking as well that it's kind of neat to see how touch-based software is evolving over the years. But go check out Mingle. Very cool. Um, so going back to the new TV that I just bought, I, yes, I know this is an iOS apps pick show, but I promise I'll come around to it. Uh, one of the reasons I bought the particular TV that I bought is because it had support for Amazon Instant Video. And uh, yeah, that's really the missing piece in my puzzle. I've got just about everything I want on my Apple TV except Amazon Instant Video. And as an Amazon Prime member, I get all of that stuff. And Amazon Instant Video, and I think I talked about this, was this in the live show, has really upped its game recently with um, some of the acquisitions that they've made and some of the content deals that they've made. Um, so I've been previously up until I got this new TV, I was using the Amazon instant video app all of the time via the airplay feature that they had built in to watch stuff. Cause just about everything that I watch or wanted to watch 
uh, previously that I was watching on Netflix was available on Amazon Instant Video. So I was getting to the point where I was getting rid of my, my Netflix subscription and saving that eight bucks a month. And uh, so that's been a, a pretty good experience. I'm going through the uh, the original Next Generation, and I'm I'm at the tail end of uh, of season six right now. I'm I'm watching Birthright Part Two tonight. Is that is that the one where the Borg take Captain Picard? Oh my God! Now you're just trolling me, aren't you? No, I'm not. I honestly don't know. Okay, I remember that was in between two seasons. That was between uh, season three and four. It was the best of both worlds. They actually recently made it into a, um, you know, because they recently went back and enhanced all those, and they re-released it for a one-day-only release in the theater. I'm assuming you didn't go see it. Did you? Of course. How come you didn't tell me? I would have gone and watched that. That was good. Uh, yeah. That was some good TV. Yeah, that was that. Uh, I the sweet spot for for the next generation was probably seasons. Season three, four, and five were were pretty good for for the next generation. It, it really took um, season season one was not so hot, and season two it it was getting better, but it wasn't quite there yet. But seasons three it was it was really up in its game, and season four and five it it really kicked in there. Well, you know the trick is you you can't think like Picard. You have to think like Riker. Well, Riker's captain. You know he thinks a lot like Captain Picard, or I'm yeah, sorry, like was, Captain Kirk. Yeah, that was his problem. Yeah. Hey, I got a TV show that I'm. I got somebody gave me the first season of the the Americans. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Well, what's it. what's the premise for that? It's a two. It's a it's a it's a story about a married couple. What it really is, it's a two uh, Russian agents. They're illegal ah. agents in the eighties, and and part of it for me is total nostalgia. I'm like watching, it going like, oh, we used to have a phone just like that. And there's like a car- There's a kid in there. I was the same age as him, so I I really kind of dig it for that, but. It's also kind of fun. It's a good spy show. Anyway, that's not why people are listening. Um, I've got another pick, though. Okay. And uh, this is an oldie. It's one of the very first apps on the iPhone that I've kind of rediscovered lately. It's called Ocarina, um, and it's by Smule, S-M-U-L-E. And I believe it's an African instrument. It's got four holes on it, and you can play it. And I just recently figured out how to play a C scale on it, and now I'm starting to learn some songs. And I just got thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I was just sitting around somewhere and I could whip out my um, my phone and start playing some Beatles music on it or something? And I used to play a lot of instruments. I'm pretty musically inclined. Why not? So I've been teaching myself how to play this musical instrument called the Ocarina. And it's it's so well – I mean it's an old app, but man, it's really nice. And you can listen to other people play. And if you go on the internet, there's tons of music you can download if you really want to be a geek, you can put the ocarina music on your iPad and then play it on your iPhone. You blow into the microphone for it to work. It's nice. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? They um that the the folks who make the ocarina, I think, demoed at MacWorld, but the ocarina has been around for a long. Those are the Smule guys, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Yeah, they've Smule been around has. for a long time. They have, and it's really a great app. And if you haven't tried it, and you're if you've ever played like a clarinet or a flute or a saxophone, this will be second nature to you. Just pick it up and give it a shot. And you can like amaze your friends when you whip it out and start playing, you know, something fun on it. But it's the ocarina is really your iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. There's no there's no physical instrument to it. No, it's not. It's just you hold your fingers over the the touch screen. There's four basically four holes you're covering and based on the different combinations of your fingers you can play song and you don't actually blow into the microphone port or anything 
Yes, you do. You blow into the microphone and then it triggers the sound. And the harder you blow, the louder it plays. That sounds dangerous. I mean, aren't you not supposed to blow into the microphone port? I don't care. I'm going to do it. I mean, not it's the headphone port, right? Or is it the... Yeah, it's not the headphone. Port. It's the it's it's not the headphone port. It's the microphone at the bottom. Oh, okay. The grill down there. The grill. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's that's a fun app. What do you got? Uh, well, here is another one where I have switched apps. Um, we did the Geek Fitness app, uh, show. It's It's been a while now since we, we did the original Geek Fitness show. And I think you and I both talked about um, the Lose It app for iOS um, that you can use to track what you're eating and you can use it to track um, exercise and things like that. Yeah. Well, I will admit that I've kind of fallen off the bandwagon on that, and I, I wanted to get re-engaged. And, you know, sometimes you feel like you just need to start fresh when, when you've fallen off the bandwagon and you, and you want to restart something. So several of my friends uh, and people have been using um, a competitor app to that called MyFitnessPal. And I said, you know, I'm just going to go start an account over there and, and just, you know, ditch all of my data that was in Lose It and, and restart fresh over with MyFitnessPal. And the the core concepts of the app are, are essentially the same. Um, you can track your food. You can track your activity. Um, you can also sync it up with a lot of these other things like um, the Fitbit or the Jawbone or the Withing Scale or, or uh, Track My Run or some of these other apps. And it will keep track of some of your activity and things like this. Um, and then there's also a social component to it, which I don't use. Um, you know, that allows your friends to, to see what you've been doing and what you've been eating and whether you've been gaining or losing weight um, and, and comment on that. So I, I don't turn that on. Um, but fitness, um, my fitness pal has a lot of additional features that the Lose It app doesn't have that I'm finding really helpful. Like, for example, um, on, on uh, Lose It, you could only track the day of. Now, I think there was a feature that if you paid for by an app purchase, you could open up the ability to track multiple days. Um, but I just didn't find enough of the other features of the premium version to worthwhile to, to do that. But in um, MyFitnessPal, you can track several days in advance. I don't know how far in advance you can go because I've never needed to go more than a couple of days. So I tend to make um, large meals on the weekends and then I've kind of got lunch all week long. So I can plug that stuff in and I can track several days at a time, which is nice because it means I'm more likely to do it. And it will also give you a breakdown of, you know, your nutrition. If you say, well, I, I want to cut down my carb intake, so I want no more than 30% of my nutrients to come from carbs in any one day. Um, and it will allow you to, to track those types of things. Or I want to eat higher protein, so I want to make sure that at least, um, you know, 50% of my nutrients, you know, come from protein or, or things like that. Um, it, I'm just, I'm finding that it has... Um, a lot more features that I'm enjoying um, over Lose It. And more, most importantly to me, it seems like the database of foods that it will track are so much wider because I think it has a much more open database. Now, there's a little give and take with that. So, for example, I went to – oh, gosh, you're going to make fun of me. I went to the sandwich shop, not the deli, a different one. Um, That's okay, Katie. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, for lunch today. And um, it it had dozens and dozens and dozens of things – um, from this particular That's a lot of dozens dozens right and dozens and dozens of things from this particular deli um, that lose it never did and so I think what's happening is it's it's open and when somebody puts in something 
it stores it in its database. Now, of course, there's there's no checks and balance. So if I say, oh, well, the chocolate chip cookie at the deli is only five calories, you know, uh, you know, you're really only fooling yourself. But I think as long as people are honest in what they put in, you're you're getting pretty good information back out. I switched to my fitness pal too about six months ago and I'm with you. I think it's, I like it better than lose it. Yeah. Now I don't um, know how I'm, any of these apps are making money though. That's a little scary when you think about how much information we're putting into them. Um, What's uh, that saying? If, if, if you don't know what they're selling, you are what they're selling. Yeah, exactly. But you know, so much of this game is just building up momentum, you know, like, as we're recording this, it's becoming clear that app.net is, is not making it. And that's because people had to pay to get in and they didn't get enough kind of like people signed up for it. And now they're not making it. So I understand a lot of these apps do go out free for quite a while in order to garnish enough people in their system that make them a target for acquisition. And, and we've seen several companies do that very successfully and get acquired for numbers with a lot of zeros behind them. All right, moving on, though. Uh, I did an article for Macworld towards the beginning of the year about habit apps, and I, I kind of audited a bunch of them. And the one that I really like is uh, the habit list. It looks great on iOS 7. You have to pay a couple bucks for it. But if you want to get better at flossing your teeth twice a day or anything that you just want to have a regular habit, uh, habit list is the one you want to use. Very cool. All right. Well, hey, let, go ahead. I want to do a lightning round, but let's do our last sponsor first. Oh, yikes. A lightning round. I think I might be about out of picks, but we'll see what well, I can I'll just do up. my lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I can go up with a few. Um, but I do want to talk – yeah, oh, my gosh. We're almost at our hour and a half mark. How that – that always happens. Um, I do want to thank our last sponsor for this episode, and that is our good friends over at Belkin. Um, and I do want to tell you about this Belkin Thunderbolt Express dock that I have been using for a couple of months now, and it has really solved a problem for me. Um, so first off, what the Thunderbolt Express dock allows you to do is you plug this dock in via the Thunderbolt cable on your Mac. It is one cable, um, and it gives you a whole bunch of additional cables on your Mac. So you get two Thunderbolt cables, one upstream, one downstream for daisy chaining, which means you can daisy chain up to five additional Thunderbolt devices on it. Uh, you get three USB 3.0 ports. You get one Firewire 800 port, which is great. Because uh, I thought I was going to not be able to use any of my FireWire 800 devices with this uh, MacBook Air that I have. You get a gigabit Ethernet port, which is awesome because I don't have one of those on my MacBook Air. And then you also get audio out and audio in ports. So with this one Thunderbolt connection, I have now greatly expanded all of the ports that I have available on my Mac. And I do still have a USB hub that's, you know, sitting here somewhere under my desk. But the important thing about having this this USB 3 hub on the Belkin Thunderbolt Express dock is I've got a few USB 3 accessories now, like uh, the ScanSnap and like this Voyager dock and a couple of USB hard drives. And I've now got all those USB 3 accessories plugged in, and they're actually able to run at USB 3 speeds. And if I want to plug in via wired Ethernet, which I couldn't do at the same time while I had my external monitor plugged in, because with this MacBook Air, I only had one single lightning port, which means I could either plug in a lightning device or I could plug in my external monitor, which meant I really didn't have a lightning port because it was always being used as my monitor. Well, now I do. Now I actually can use that port for something else. I can plug in gigabit Ethernet. I can do something else and still have my monitor plugged in 
at the same time. You know, uh, Thunderbolt is more than 20 times faster than USB 2.0, more than 12 times faster than FireWire 800. You can transfer an entire HD movie in 30 seconds. Uh, it is just amazing what these things can do. And you can daisy chain up to five Thunderbolt devices uh, to this thing if you want. So you plug this thing into your Mac um, and it just opens up a whole world of possibilities. It just got a price drop. It was originally three hundred, or excuse me, it was originally yeah, it was originally three hundred bucks, uh, and now it's only two hundred dollars over at Belkin.com. You can get it for one ninety nine ninety nine, but we can do better than that because Belkin said that they wanted to do something special for Mac Power users, and they don't run promos that often. So if you use the coupon code Podcast Ten, P O D C A S T one zero at Belkin.com. You can save 10% off your entire order between now and May 18th. So you can pick up one of these docks. You can pick up some Wemos. You can pick up cases for your iPads or iPhones. Um, Belkin just has it all. And while I'm on the topic of the Wemos, don't forget that we've got our Wemo If This Then That contest. So Belkin has got these great Wemo devices, and they want to know what creative ideas you have for combining If This Then That and Wemo. So to enter, create a unique recipe on If This Then That featuring the Wemo and share it with the If This Then That community. And once you do that, you have the ability to then share your recipe on Twitter and do that with the hashtag uh, pound Wemo MPU, W-E-M-O-M-P-U, so that we can find it. Uh, the contest runs through May 18th, and at the end of that period, we, in conjunction with the folks over at Belkin, will select our favorite recipes, and we will send you a Wemo light switch. Um, now, unfortunately, we can only send these switches to people in places where the light switch is compatible. We don't want to accidentally blow you up. So you can find more details about the contest over on our website at MacPowerUsers.com. Again, use coupon code PODCAST10 for 10% off your order at Belkin. And thanks to Belkin for their sponsorship of Mac Power Users. Lightning round, Katie Floyd. Yeah. You want me to start? Well, I see you've got some on your list that I that I may steal. Is that all right? I, I'm watching the Google Doc, and you're actually moving them off the list as I speak. So I guess you are. I'm not moving uh, them. I'm just, yeah. Changing their color. There you right? go. Okay, first one, Monument Valley. It kind of was a thing on the internet a few weeks ago. Um, if you haven't heard of it, you should go check it out. It's a game, and it uses these kind of puzzles and dimension, uh, tricks of illusions as you like you spin an object. It's kind of hard to describe, but it's really a lot of fun, and it's great to do with kids because it doesn't involve blowing things up and shooting people. It's it's very it's very nice. It's a it's a princess, and she's going through this maze, and the only thing that's scary is there's some crows there once in a while, and the crows squawk at you. They don't like throw you off a cliff or anything. So, I did it with my six year old niece, and we had a very fun two hours going through that application together. So go check out Monument Valley if you haven't yet. It especially looks good on the iPad. I believe it's it's on both devices, but it just really calls out for the iPad. Um, I'm going to pick this one because I think it's still in compliance with all of our rules, despite the fact that we've talked about it a gazillion times. But that is Fantastical for iPad. They uh, just came out with the iPad version. It is a separate app, but it is awesome. It I, I use Fantastical on the iPad in a different way than I use Fantastical on my iPhone. And I am really digging the interface because it gives me a much bigger overview of, of kind of what's going on not only today, which I can easily get on my iPhone, but really, what do I have going on for the next week, for the next two weeks, and, and even for what, gosh, what's the rest of the month looking like? 
Um, it's got great gesture support. Was it Gabe at Mac Drifter who who wrote that great article about uh, the gesture support in Fantastical? I don't Prob- probably probably <laughs> and and if and if it is JT stuff. will find it and put it in the show notes and because I just yeah. throw this stuff out there without even knowing if if that's correct or not. Um, but Fantastical for iPad. If you if you use Fantastical at all on iOS, which you should, um, you definitely want to grab the iPad version. All right, I got one. It's uh, you know, you get that junk mail in your mailbox and you hate it. Yeah. Like especially if you write books about going paperless. Um, there's an app called Paper Karma, and you take a picture of the junk mail that shows up. Like if you keep getting an advertisement from some company, take a picture of it and send it into Paper Karma on your account, and they get it out of your mailbox. It stops showing up. It works. I I don't even know what what's going on behind the scenes. I haven't investigated it enough, but I set up an account with them. I have the app. Whenever I get stuff out of my mailbox, I don't want to see again. I take a picture of it and it goes away. Wait, okay. I don't understand. So do you have to give them your username and password to your email account or? Well, they have, no, I just send in a, um, no, it's, I'm not talking about my email inbox. I'm talking about my physical inbox. Oh, you know, you're talking about. outside my house. Oh, that the postman comes to. Yes. Yeah. You know, they still have those. Wow. Okay. Paper karma. So like all those pre-approved credit card offers, I can take pictures well, of. Well, maybe not. You those. know, like, but it's more like advertisements and catalogs is what they're really good at. But uh, a paper karma, P A P E R K A R M A. All right. So to sign up, you have to give them your physical address. Well, they get it because you take a picture of your address label on the device on the thing you don't want to come back to you anymore. Mm. Okay. So how do they make money? I don't know, but I'm very happy. I hope they make a lot of money because they, they're getting stuff out of my mailbox. Okay. Um, talking about my, my whole I don't do cable and cutting the cord thing, uh, Can I Stream It is an app that I have used because I still for now have a couple of different streaming services, Netflix, uh, Amazon. I have access to Hulu and some other things. And if I wanted to watch a video like a horrible movie like War Games or something like that, I could just punch it into can I stream it and it will tell me exactly where is it available, can I stream it for free, where can I rent it, where can I buy it, what are the various prices. Um, so if you've just – if you for some reason have got to watch a really bad movie from the 80s, you can type it in and it will tell you where you can. You're just mean to me sometimes. Yeah. Thank, thankfully, I don't think you can stream it anywhere right now. I think it actually was still available very recently on Netflix. I think I sent you a note. I think it went into my same black hole. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of stuff I sent you probably does. All right. I've got one. This is my hippie pick. I I have a – and I don't talk about it on the show much because some people react weirdly. But I have a meditation practice. I do a mindfulness meditation. And there's an app I use every day and I've never talked about it on our show. It's called Meditate. It's uh, by Simple Touch LLC. There's a bunch of meditation timers out there. This is my favorite one. It's great. It's got an in-app purchase if you want to get some better chime sounds. But it's great just as it is. Uh, Go check it out. Uh, pick another one because I'm running out. You're running out. I'm running okay. out. Okay. Uh, uh, I've got one. <laughs> I found this one through Mac Stories. It's a little game called Hoplite, H-O-P-L-I-T-E. And it kind of goes back to my 80s roots. And it's a little – it's kind of like a dungeon crawl. And you've got a little guy there. And there are archers. And there are magicians. And there are warriors. And there are guys that throw little bombs at you. And it's a turn-based strategy where you move one step and then they all move and they're all trying to kill you the whole time. And the trick is to work your way through each maze and then
and go deeper, deeper down into this dungeon. It's a very simple game. The graphics are very simple, but it's really great for something you can pick up. I have it on my iPhone. And sometimes when I'm stuck in line somewhere, I can start playing it. And then when, you know, I stop, I can pick up right where I left off later. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Uh, DGO. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of it. I don't know what it is. Okay. DGO is an app that will completely strip the geolocation information from your photo. Yes. Uh, and, yes. and this is something that I've kind of become aware of, uh, you know, because you snap these these photos with your iPhone. And unless you've gone in and specifically turned off the geolocation feature, it's it's got all this information. You snap a photo in your house or in your backyard and you post it to Twitter and someone could grab it and look and see Oh, okay. Well, that's where she lives or, or any of that other information. So yeah. um, DGO will strip all of that information out and then allow you to easily post things up uh, to social media services. Um, I have gotten rid of a lot of this problem just by turning off the geolocation feature on my phone. I just figured it wasn't worth it and I turned it off completely. But uh, DGO is an app that will work if you just want to use it occasionally. Another one that I like, another game that's very easy to pick up and drop is Strategery. And uh, I think it was named after, I think making fun of that, was it George Bush had something about strategery at some point. And, but it, it's kind of like risk, but there's no, it's just dots. You know, you have a randomly generated map and you've got these dots and you have to move your little armies around. And it's a lot of fun, very easy to pick up. And that's another oldie. It's been on my phone forever. But if I look at the games I play on my iPhone, this one never leaves. I've never taken it off. One I use that I don't think I've mentioned before is PhotoCard. And it's actually Bill Atkinson's app, who was one of the original Mac guys. And yeah. at first I bought it just because it was... Mac Paint and, yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, at first I just bought it because it was Bill Atkinson's app. And I was like, I don't care what it is. I'm buying Bill Atkinson's app. But um, it has really filled a purpose for me. I really liked Apple's Cards apps because whenever I travel, I like to send postcards to people back home because... Uh, especially some of the older folks in my life, there still is something about actually getting real physical mail. Um, and now that Apple Cards is no more, well, PhotoCard is still around. So what you can do is uh, you take a picture, it will actually get printed on a postcard, and it will get mailed for you. I mean, of course, there's a fee associated with this, um, but it, it's a couple of bucks. You know, it's a couple of bucks per card. Which so it's it's more expensive than just going and picking up a generic, you know, card and and mailing it to somebody, but it's so much more personal. And the responses that you get from people after you send these cards are just are just great. So um, I think they're like a dollar fifty to send a card, and or two twenty five to send it uh, international. It's it's just it's it's really reasonable based on what you get. Katie, I think we're done. Are we done? Yeah. We've got a few more, but we got to save those for the next time we do one of these shows. Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll call this our iOS Picks uh, Spring 2014 edition. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Well, you can find we we talked about more than what we have in in just our list here. So you can find links to to all of the apps that we've talked about, and as well as some of the more bizarre things that we've talked about, um, on our website at macpowerusers.com or at five by five tv slash mpu. You can send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com, or you can find us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd, and she needs a lot of followers. She needs to beat her cousin, so help her out there. And I'm at Max Sparky. 
Uh, and thanks to our sponsors this episode, uh, Backblaze, Belkin, OmniGraffle, and I... Busy Cow. Busy Cow. I knew it was a B. I thought this was almost the all-B show. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see you all next time, and uh, go buy some apps. Yeah.